Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This is Recode Media, Peter Kafka, that is me, and today I'm talking to John Orand. He is the media reporter at Sports Business Journal. He's the co-host of the Marchand and Orand Sports Media Podcast. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. I can't believe this is my maiden voyage on your pod, Peter. We're not 100% convinced it is, but we're going with that, so I'm going to go with it, yeah. You are yeah. long overdue. The, the reason I'm having you on is because I read you all the time. I even ask you for help. You helped out in our mailbag episode uh, a couple weeks ago because... I pay attention to sports because I like sports, but I pay attention to sports business because sports is the key linchpin for the media business. As you know, 82 of the top 100 rated TV shows last year were NFL broadcasts. Most of the rest were sports as well. I mean, you've you've covered the media business for how long? Just having that many football games, including just regular season games. Yeah. And, and not an entertainment show to be seen. The media business, for better and for worse, is increasingly the sports business. So I want to understand how these deals are working. I turn to you. So, John, let me let me start here. At the end of last year, the NFL signed a deal for the Sunday ticket rights. YouTube and Google slash Alphabet bought them. This is something I've been tracking for like a decade, wondering when an internet tech player would get into the NFL in a big way. We'd already seen Amazon uh, do that last year. They spent a billion dollars a year for a single NFL game. This time, YouTube is paying about $2 billion a year, give or take, for the rights to Sunday Ticket, which lets you see many but not all of the games on Sunday. And you've been pretty vocal about the fact that you think this is a terrible deal for basically everyone except the NFL. Why is that? So everybody takes a look at this deal, uh, Peter, and they compare. They they look at uh, Directv, who had the rights, who had the rights to Sunday Ticket prior to they this. They launched with the rights to Sunday Ticket. The Directv launched in 1994. They launched with uh, with Directv and Sunday Ticket. They uh, provided a red zone type channel at the time, and it was very popular. And I am one of many people that credit the NFL and that deal. With DirecTV's rise. So just to, just for context, right? So if I can't believe that you'd be listening to this podcast and not know what DirecTV is, but that's the satellite TV <laughs> distributor. They they used this NFL product to sort of announce themselves. The reason to get DirecTV was to get Sunday Ticket. Fox did this even you know a decade earlier, really launch itself. It spent a lot of money for the NFL. If you want to announce yourself to the media world and to consumers, you go get NFL rights. That seems to be the playbook. You can also point to ESPN back in the late 80s, right, for, mm-hmm. for, for, the, for the same deal. And you take a look at, at uh, Google and YouTube TV, and they're trying to use the same sort of strategy. But the package that they're going to do it with is so radically different than the package that DirecTV first came on the scene with. For example, when DirecTV launched, there was no Thursday night football. So you take that entire season's worth of games 
and you you strip it out of of Sunday Ticket. Uh, when uh, DirecTV launched, there were no European games, and so you take all of those games and you take it out of Sunday Ticket. Uh, when DirecTV launched, there was no such thing as an NFL Red Zone channel that you could that, that you could subscribe to. That you don't need to get Sunday ticket. And the red zone is, is again, if you're not an NFL hardcore person, it's showing you literally as soon as any team playing any game gets near the end zone, they start, they break in and they start showing you that. So it's, it's you're just almost watching a highlight in real time throughout the day. And if you're a fan of one of the league's most popular teams, which is, you know, the, the, the majority of people, you you get to see all these games anyway because you have Sunday night football having the best games. You have Monday night football now getting better games. You have Fox and CBS getting great games for Sunday afternoon. If you're a Cowboys fan who happens to live where I live in Washington, D.C., this season you could have seen all but maybe two Cowboys games already. So Without paying for Sunday ticket. Because the, exactly. the pitch for Sunday ticket was – I'm theoretically a Minnesota Vikings fan. I live in New York. If I want to watch the Vikings, I would buy DirecTV and Sunday Ticket or the YouTube Now and Sunday Ticket and, and pay for it. That way it's, what, 300 bucks, give or take a year? Right right around that, right. But you're saying if for a lot of fans, you don't need to. Yeah, I describe Sunday's Ticket as the package for displaced Jaguars fans. You know, or or displace Lions fans. You know, the, the, if you're if you're one of, a fan of one of those teams, yeah, boy, you really need Sunday Ticket. But if you like a New York team or an LA team, or you know, the Packers, even the Vikings this year, they had a good team and they were were an offensive team. You know, you but an okayish team, <laughs> you could watch it. So it's a radically different package right now than it was when when Directv uh, launched. So it's not the strategy you have a problem with you, you, the idea that YouTube is going to spend a couple billion dollars a year and. They bring in like $30 billion a year in revenue and Alphabet brings in even more. Uh, it's just it's not the strategy of, of using this to launch yourself into media and sports rights. It's you don't like the actual thing they're buying. You don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I, 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 I question that. Uh, I also DirecTV had an out that it wanted to exercise about two years ago. And the, so the NFL shopped these rights two years ago for one point five billion dollars. It was only a two year deal. So th- there was less of a reason for these big digital companies to get in. But they couldn't find one buyer to come in at one and a half billion dollars to to take it take it away from Directv. And if you talk to Directv executives, they're very open that they're losing their shirts on this deal now. It no longer makes sense for uh, Directv. The only way it could make sense for Google is if they're able to build up YouTube TV subscribers. Just like what what if they do add two million, three million uh, subscribers to YouTube TV? So DirecTV has about 2 million subscribers for, for Sunday Ticket. That's not nothing, but it's it's not anything that you'd need for to launch an internet-scale uh, company. And you do not have to be a YouTube TV subscriber to get Sunday Ticket. That's one advantage that YouTube is going to have. You don't have to buy the sort of cable package from YouTube. You can just buy the NFL rights. But even then, there's lots of skepticism that they're going to get that. Uh, Moffat Nathanson put out a note uh, recently that asked they need about 6 million subscribers just to break even. But again, if, if you're Google, if you're Amazon, if you're Apple, you know, I guess you're not going to see TikTok buying sports rights. Anytime. But, if you're, but if you're an internet scale company, a billion here and a billion there doesn't really mean a lot to you if you're getting something out of it. Do you think that 
dollars and cents aside, that this is going to really help YouTube announce itself and Google announce itself as a major player for TV. They're obviously the biggest video outlet in the world. But in theory, they're trying to do something else. They're trying to sort of move to a next level. Do you think that will work? Not to be redundant. The question is, and I think one thing that YouTube TV wants to do is they, they want to be up there with the biggest MVPD providers, you know, cable operators and, and, and satellite distributors. So, you know, you have Comcast, you have Charter, you have Direct TV. You know, can this deal give YouTube TV enough subscribers to pass Dish? You know, and, it, and if that happens, all of a sudden, all the other contracts that they sign with all of the other uh, uh, programming companies become a, l- a lot more affordable. They're no longer the, sort of this teeny little upstart that has to p- pay premium prices to get the channels. They'll be one of the top four uh, d- distributors out there. Could that work out uh, to, to, their, to their benefit? Maybe. But the idea is that they can grow off of this and use uh, use this package as a loss leader. And so after you know nearly 30 years, Using it as a loss leader didn't work for DirecTV anymore. Can it work for a company in growth mode like YouTube TV? I mean, that's a big question. Our colleagues and competitors in, in media world were reporting for a long time that Apple was pursuing this very seriously. We'd heard that a deal was going to get announced last summer and then early last fall. The deal gets announced at the end of the year. Apple does not end up buying it. Do you know why Apple does not have these rights? Yeah, that's my. this is my favorite part of this, this whole deal is anybody that has ever dealt with uh, the NFL knows that when the NFL says jump, they jump and they, they, they ask how high. And anybody that has ever dealt with Apple knows the exact same thing. And all of a sudden you had two companies trying to negotiate who were unmovable and unwilling to do it. And I think ultimately uh, what I've heard is, is, you know, Apple wanted to get the rights and they wanted to do a lot with those rights. This package if it becomes overly popular, especially hurts the Sunday afternoon uh, broadcasters, uh, CBS and 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 and, uh, and Fox. CBS and Fox both have within their contracts, which by the way are, are both well over two billion dollars a year, that Sunday ticket has to be delivered at a premium price. I don't know if there's a subscriber count that that they have within there, and I I don't know if it specifies what the price is going to be. But the whole idea is that it can't become like the iTunes of, of, of the NFL, which is sort of where Apple the NFL is. doesn't want to cannibalize its broadcast TV deals. And this is the this is the theme we've heard basically for the last decade, which is whenever people like me are like, hey, is it, is it the NFL ever going to move completely to the Internet? And the NFL will never say no. But what they make it clear is we want to make the most money and reach the most people as possible. And up, at least until now, that has been traditional TV. And we want to continue to maintain that. So we're going to slice off slivers of these rights and sell those digitally. It's almost pure profit for us. But we don't want to do anything that's going to undermine our existing business. Yeah, you know, the, the whole theme of everything you write about and talk about on this pod and the, the, that I write about is, you know, the uh, digital revolution. It's here. You know, streamers are taking over the world. However, if you only have rabbit ears and are rabbit ears still a thing, I don't even They know. are. They are. Every year someone puts out a, a press release that says, you know what's selling really well this year is our antennas. <laughs> because because you can get a lot of TV for free with a, like a $40 antenna, it turns out. But if, if you want to watch the NFL, you can watch it on broadcast television into the next decade. 
And this this follows a strategy the NFL has had since since the early 70s. They could have turned around and gotten Turner back in the day, back in the 90s or back in the early 2000s to outspend any one of the broadcasters. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to maintain reach. That was really important to them. Of course, the broadcasters did end up paying a lot mm-hmm. uh, for it. So it's not like they uh, they cried poor, but it's, uh, you know, being on broadcast and prioritizing, prioritizing reach is as important to the NFL as as uh, bringing in a lot of money. So the prioritizing reach was important for their customers. They It's also something their owners care about. The owners tend to be older and sort of more conservative technologically than, like, say, NBA owners. And it's also because they know the broadcasters absolutely have to have NFL games. You know, some of these networks just – Fox doesn't really exist if there's no NFL. CBS just has sort of uh, bad uh, procedural shows if without – football. So they'll pay a ton of money. So it's both things. It is interesting. When I wrote about this a decade ago, that the idea that you know the NFL was kind of shopping this stuff to Google, maybe, and Google denied it, but it turns out they were talking to them. It seemed very exciting, the idea that this stuff would come to the internet. It would be a big deal. But it happened this year. Uh, you could watch, you had to, if you wanted to watch Thursday night games, uh, uh, NFL games, you had to watch them on Prime Video, on Amazon Prime Video. And at this point, it didn't seem like a big deal at all. And also, it didn't seem like the ratings were very good. They underperformed uh, what the NFL was getting through traditional cable the previous year. Does that tell us anything one way or the other? Or is that just an anomaly and Thursday night games aren't very good and who cares? You know, there, there are two ways of looking at this. And I'd, I'd love to have a really strong opinion, but I'm not quite sure where I fall. One is that the Thursday night package this season... Amazon, I'll tell you, it's young. It was younger, and it, it reached uh, people that make more money, and, and you know, which is great for advertising. But it reached forty percent less than uh, than what Fox and NFL Network had last season. If you're a league, you know that reach matters, and 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 it's it's the same package, you know, that 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 was there. On the other side of the coin, uh, I can tell you that the NBA. They have the rights coming up after the 2024-25 season, and that's the next big one to come up. They took a look, not quite, not, not really at at, uh, at what the ratings were or, or the viewership was, but the production was exquisite. It was it, it was a broadcast level production. It was a bro- uh, it was an NFL playoff level production. You're talking about the Thursday the, with the Amazon production uh, with Amazon on yeah. Thursday night. NBC produced it. They had Al Michaels, probably the best bit play by play announcer of all time, in, mm-hmm. in the booth. They had uh, Fred Gadelli, who uh, usually does um, Sunday Night Football for NBC. He was overseeing everything. The production was was excellent. So that question of can a tech company put on an NFL game? The answer is yes. You just buy the services you need to do that. The other big question too: the the first game of the season. Oh gosh, I forgot who it was, but it, it was at Kansas City. They got you know thirteen, fourteen million viewers, and that an- answered another really big question: is can a streamer get that many viewers all at once? Without having you know the video really degrade in, in, in a bad way, so it, what what this season did for every other league is saying like oh you know they can handle this and 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 it, it can work and 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 yeah it, so it proof, it's a, a it's mean. a it's a billion dollar a year proof of concept uh, experiment. <laughs> but at some point they ha- Amazon has to make money off this right I mean it, it, well, I, I know for tech it's a billion here a billion there a big deal but. They don't have to. You know, Amazon has spent billions and billions and billions on video 
it will tell you it's kind of working, but it, it seems to me they've burnt a lot of money just sort of screwing around. They just know it's important. Um, I do want to come back to the NBA deal, but but let me. I just want to finish on the NFL because a, a small thing, but I kept hearing that it was important and then people stopped talking about it, was for most of last year, the NFL was trying to get whoever bought the Sunday ticket rights to also invest in something called NFL Media which is going to be like uh, their own their own package of rights. And the idea was they wanted to connect the two. And then we didn't hear anything more about that. And apparently Google has not bought a stake in NFL media. What is NFL media? Why did the NFL think it was important? And why does no one want to buy a piece of it? Hey, I got a great deal for you. I can give you a stake in NFL Network, a, ca- a basic cable channel that is, that is dropping subscribers. Uh, the, the the NFL thought that it, it that they could generate a higher um, price tag if it included um, uh, the, the the NFL media. Included in that NFL media is that NFL Red Zone channel that, that I referenced earlier. And some of the bidders thought you can't buy Sunday Ticket without also buying Red Zone. So because Red Zone really is is taking subscribers out out of Sunday Ticket. If you talk to any DirecTV executive, they truly believe that. As you said, the media was not part of it. Um, I, I think that there was, uh, I mean, fr- from what I gather, these digital companies have zero, in, well, zero is a little low, but they don't have a lot of interest in traditional linear television. Um, uh, and that that's sort of what the NFL has on offer. And so that that was, these weren't the right companies to be selling NFL media. Yeah, too. the digital guys are consistent about that whenever I talk to them. Like, look, anything that has us having to buy traditional linear TV, whether it's, you know, a, a deal like that or, you know, Time Warner became Warner Media is now Discovery Warner Media. And there is or isn't logic for that. But if you talk to the Apples and Amazons of the world, like that makes it much less likely that we're ever going to buy that thing because we don't want to buy. We want to buy HBO. But we don't want to buy Turner or, you know, uh name a linear network that fewer people were watching every year. Briefly, I wanted to ask you about college football. You were at the the football championship. What's it called? The CFP? The CFP, CFP. College Football Playoff Championship. Yes, that's just as bad as Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. Thank you. Seems like one of the worst games of all time. And I'm not a college football person, but a lot of people are. Who dominates college football on TV? And is there a digital play there? Right now, the, it, it's dominated by ESPN. Uh, which owns uh, the rights to the all of the rights to the SEC and the ACC, and as part of the Big Twelve, and uh, Fox, which owns most of uh, the the Big Big Ten, has a majority stake in the Big Ten Network, also has a uh, Big Twelve deal. The digital play right now for college sports is all in the Pac twelve, and uh, they're the they're the next rights that, that are up. Uh, there's been a lot of reporting. Uh, so far that suggests that Amazon is sort of a, a front runner to get, if not the entire Pac-12 package, a big part of the Pac-12 package. One of the things um, about sports and sports TV that has always surprised me is sometimes you get executives, big time executives, and they follow their passions. Mm-hmm. And the people that are running a lot of these uh, sports divisions at the at these digital companies you know, which is are laid, uh, located in, in Pac-12 country, are associated or, or tied to the Pac-12. 
Yeah, I was going to ask that because it, it, it seems to me, this is, seems pretty obvious, but you tell me if I'm wrong, that that while college football is huge, it's also very regional. Right? In the Southeast, it's basically religion. It's at least as important as the NFL. Uh, in New York, where I'm at, it's not really a big deal. I mean, there's individual people I know who you care a lot. You got the Ford when, and Rams, Peter. There's a, and there's individual people I know who care a lot when Michigan plays Ohio State, et cetera. But, um, you know, it's not like people are going to go see a game. Um, I don't even know where you could see a college football game in the Brooklyn area. Um, um, so does that, but does that regionality make it less attractive to an internet player who wants, who presumably wants to reach as many people as possible? Uh, I, I, not necessarily. I, I, so, so it, it is very regional because you have games that are going against each other in, in all times, mm-hmm. in all time zones. But I will tell you this, we, we've referenced the 82 NFL games uh, out of the top 100. Yep. Other than uh, the NFL, there were two sports that, that placed in the top 30. One was uh, the Olympics uh, from uh, from Beijing, the opening ceremony, and the other was college football. And so that there are there are certain games and there are certain teams that are able to to get through that. So like if you're talking about in Brooklyn, that that's one thing. I like I, I uh, I'm a Maryland Terrapin, and so I will watch Maryland. But there are there are big brands in college football like Ohio State, Michigan, and like if you go to the Pac-12, I think Oregon and Washington, and uh, they're losing two of them, UCLA and USC. But mm-hmm. Arizona, Deion Sanders going to Colorado. I think there there are some storylines and there are some some brands there that if these teams get good, can start to reach out and 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 draw in other fans. We'll be right back with John Aran, but first a word from a sponsor. You talked about the NBA. This is something I want to talk to you about as well. Um, Discovery, Warner Warner Brothers, Discovery. I'll, I'll figure out the name. WBD eventually. Sports. That's Thank how I do you. it. They split it with ESPN, Disney. This is on the radar for everyone. Deal comes up in a couple of years for the NBA. The NBA is floating a $7 billion number. If you talk to the Warner and ESPN people, they make it clear that they want to keep those rights and they also don't want to pay $7 billion for it. Some folks I've talked to suggested that what they think is going to happen is the NBA is going to do like an NFL-like deal and sell a bunch of stuff to Warner and Disney and then sell some more stuff, slice off some of that to Amazon. So maybe ESPN gets all the best games and the playoffs and the finals and you can watch some random NBA games on Amazon uh, in December. Does that seem plausible to you? It's tough to handicap now because the uh, um, this entire year, I think it's uh, spring of 2024 is when uh, Turner and ESPN, the NBA gets out of their exclusive deal uh, with those two. So they, they, they have some pushing and shoving. But just like I mentioned, the, the, the NFL prioritizing broadcast, the NBA prioritizes broadcast for the NBA finals. They made sure that when they sold to ESPN back in, you know, 20 years ago, that the finals remained on, on ABC. Uh, and so I, I find it hard to believe that, uh, that, uh, the NBA will leave, uh, ESPN, ABC. And I, I know that ESPN, ABC wants it. The big question mark I have though, Peter, is how far is cord cutting going to go by next spring or by the time that they get this, how many homes is TNT and TBS going to be in Warner Brothers Dis- Discovery. They don't have a broadcast network associated with it. 
they're trying to build out, you know, Discovery Plus or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, which I guess is where HBO Max is going to end up. Um, and so they're trying to build out their own streaming service, but that doesn't, uh, you know, th- that that's not quite where, you know, the broadcast networks are. Yeah, they also have a lot of financial issues. Their stock has been in the tank. It's actually been uh, in, uh, doing well, actually, in, in very recent history. But they have a lot of pressure, a lot of debt. Um, and there's an open question whether they can even afford to pay the rights for the rights they have now. When you ask them about it privately, and they've started saying this publicly now as well, is, of course we want this, but we also want digital rights. And so whatever we buy is not just going to be the rights to put this on linear TV. We want something digital, digital. And this is all, you know, again, if you talk to people about the NFL deal in September, everyone assumed Apple was going to buy it. So it's a, like you said, it's a little early to handicap, but that's a yeah. big one. And also basketball is a worldwide sport. There's People are watching pro basketball around the world. They have local pro basketball leagues. So in some ways, you could argue this is maybe more valuable for a digital player with global ambitions than it is for you know a Warner or ESPN, which traditionally sort of just America only. Yeah, potentially. The, 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 the real deal that I'm watching uh, that I'm not surprised we're not going to really, really talk about is Apple buying uh, MLS rights. That's my and, next question for you. Was it really? It's, it, well, it, it's in the category of it's in the category of everything else, which is <laughs> okay. Apple has bought MLS rights. That's that's the American Pro Soccer League. They have some baseball rights now. I've recently started getting really into pro soccer, but that means I'm watching English Premier League and European. But that's where the best soccer is, and and even the people who are diehard soccer U.S. soccer fans can't tell you with a straight face that MLS is is the top tier. Does the fact that Apple has bought, you know, equivalent of minor league soccer rights uh, in the U.S. and, a, you know, one night of games for baseball, does that tell you anything about Apple's ambitions that maybe they're they're not ready to go whole hog on digital sports yet? Or is there are they just buying what they can buy? And when there's bigger packages, they'll spend more money on it. I view the baseball deals as kind of a test. I, you know, they, they, they were testing it out. The MLS deal, though. It's not just for the U.S. It's it's worldwide. It was a very uh, a clean purchase because uh-huh. MLS made sure that I think the audience the- for 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 worldwide worldwide viewers <laughs> for for the Kansas City whatevers. No offense to the Kansas City whatevers is pretty minimal. The big rumors was that Messi was going to join yeah. the Miami team, and uh, and I don't. It looks like that's not going to happen now. But you know, what if there is a player? That comes over and 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 uh, and and plays on on a team. You know, would people in that home country want to want to watch it? I'm wincing. I mean, look, we just we we just saw a version of this uh, in real time where uh, Ronaldo, who is you know by by most accounts uh, one number one B to Messi's one A for the world's best soccer player over the over the last couple last decade or so. Just couldn't find a home and ended up going to a Saudi Arabia team, and he's going to make like two hundred and fifty million dollars a year. And no one has any expectation that that's anything other than sort of Saudi Arabia sort of sport doing sports washing and trying to announce itself on the stage. But uh, it's hard to imagine anyone's going to pay attention to Ronaldo um, playing equivalent of minor league soccer there. So I don't. I don't know. My big question is: How serious do you think Apple is about? about digital sports. Do you think they're in the same league as Amazon and Google, which have now demonstrated they're willing to pay billions of dollars a year just to get their foot in the door? Or do you think they only want the deals on their terms? Uh, oh, it's Apple. I think they only want deals on their terms. And they had an MLS deal that, that was on their terms. Again, like local rights, national rights, global rights. And I think that's going to be a big problem for the for the NBA 
it's by the way, it's not a the the NBA has no problems when it comes to media rights. But in terms of engaging Apple, mm-hmm. Apple's going to want the, those local rights. It's going to want international rights. It's going to want you know no blackout rights. And uh, and um, what Apple has showed me so far is that uh, uh, with respect to uh, Google, YouTube, and with respect to Amazon, they're they're fiscally disciplined. So they're not going to sort of go out there, oh, here's some rights that are out there, and we're just going to pay them to bring them on to just sort, sort of build up a sports um, a sports rights business based with the, whatever happens to come up. They they have a strategy where they just want to own everything and, and get, get everything in there. Curious, Peter Stern, this is very inside baseball, um, who did all the deals for Apple just left. Um, do you read anything into that? I, I don't know enough to, to read anything into deal. No, I don't. Uh, I'm just very curious. I'm also, I do I mean, know this. I, I do know Eddie Q is a is a big uh, sports fan. Yes, he's, he's, uh, he's, I think believe courtside guy, right? seats the Warriors, right, Peter? Well, everyone everyone in Silicon Valley has sports rights. Has, has, has sites. That's it's as a tech reporter, you you have to watch Golden State games. Um, no, I think he's a Duke guy. Yeah, but it's he likes he likes sports and he likes fancy cars. I'm also curious. This is totally inside that they put out a press release yesterday about Apple's services stuff. But it said Eddie Q says this, and I've never seen Apple put an executive's name who wasn't the CEO in a press release. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Q has been out in front. Uh, he's he's spoken at a couple of conferences, including one that SBJ put together on on uh, the MLS deal. I mean, not not saying a ton, but I, mm-hmm. I did I did find that to be unique. Yeah, interesting. Netflix people thought was going to be in in these in these deals, and last fall there was very good reporting, and, and I have talked to folks who say Netflix was absolutely looking at stuff like F one sports uh, car racing rights, um, and then Reed Hastings was asked about that. Uh, at a Times conference in, I think, December. And he said, yeah, no, we're not doing that. And we've learned now to not take Netflix 100% at their word. But he basically said, because Netflix is doing some live stuff, they're going to do a Chris Rock comedy special. They're going to stream live. They just announced today as we're recording this, they're going to start streaming the SAG Awards next year. So they certainly are building out the capacity to do live stuff. Do the people you talk to imagine Netflix? And, and, and most important, they now have an advertising business, which is the reason you want to own sports for a lot of people because it's a really valuable inventory. Do the people you talk to think that Netflix either is or is going to be a player in these deals? To, in people the I talk to, to believe that they're going to be a player in these deals. Uh, they're not going to be a player, prob- almost certainly not for the NBA, which is sort of the next big one coming up. But, you know, you, you, you've referenced, you know, the, the Chris Rock, the awards shows. Uh, I'm told they're they're going to be launching some game shows uh, coming up as right. well. Right, Hastings said that as well on stage. He said it makes sense for things like comedy specials and basically reality shows. It and so within the sports community, that's uh, let's make sure that we can do live because that's mm-hmm. totally different than than what they've been doing. And so before they make a big investment in sports rights, and that takes a big investment, they want to make sure they have that down, build up the ad sales like like you talked about. I'm envisioning. You know they'll they'll do a documentary on surfing and then grab the World Surf League right rights and, and which is something got, but they and they were looking at that uh, the World Surf League rights last year. The World Surf League makes money off its media rights, Peter. That's, I know that it's, be amazing. A it's amazing. It's um, amazing. <laughs> I know someone involved in that. There, there. It seems like there was maybe some, and I and I think this has happened with a couple things at Netflix that there was some 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 debate within Netflix. That then was reflected in reporting and 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 
about a couple of different things. One was sports rights. Another was, do we want to bring movies to theaters? And you had some people with the Netflix saying, yes, we absolutely want to get more of this stuff out. And, and then you've got uh, Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos, the co-CEOs saying more recently, no, we're not doing those things. We're not doing theaters really. And we're not doing sports really, at least for now. Yeah. And like, like, Take it like for what said, they say one thing and then uh, like, I, I think that, that there's a shelf life of what, 12 months before they start to think differently on that. Uh, things change. It's not a forever. It is. There is no forever. Um, I know you wanted to talk about MLS as your secret, your secret underlooked deal. Is there anything else that's not on our radar that, that should be when we're paying attention to sports and media? Yeah, I've been, it's been the, the biggest story that I, that I've been covering and it sort of uh, goes with this whole thing. And uh, you know, cord cutting, is hurting, of course, all all uh, cable TV networks. But the ones that are most uh, uh, in peril are the regional sports networks. And um, uh, I, I've explain what a regional sports network is. Regional for sports networks. Some people are the, 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 you know, they they carry local sports. So I, I live in Washington D.C. and I watch NBC Sports Washington, where I see the Wizards and the Capitals, and I watch. Uh, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, Masson, where I watch the Nationals and I watch the Orioles. And it's sort of, a, you can only watch them within the the Washington DMA. And it's traditionally know? traditionally sold as part of your cable package. Traditionally, you didn't have the ability to say whether you wanted it or not. You just got it and paid for it. And the RSM business, in terms of the entire, it has to be the, the best business that the media industry has ever concocted, where the, the, they are the most expensive channels on the cable system and the viewership is just for, you know, two or three hour games, you know, during the week. So your proverbial grandmother down the street is helping to finance my sports addiction for, for watching the Orioles on, on, on mass. And, and right now those net, those networks are dropping subscribers and uh, the cost of sports uh, rights that they pay these teams are uh, they they continue to go up and the teams have budgeted for for decades they budgeted you know five ten percent increases per year on that well those are now in peril uh adam silver ha- has been very public in saying that there's going to be pain adam silver's the nba commissioner and he's uh he's been in peril saying that there's going to be pain that the that the uh teams are going to have to pay uh, deal with because local rights are still valuable it's just this system that was sort of artificially created. Uh, is, is it's got to change at some point. What happens there? I've, I, and again, I mentioned it earlier that it's, it's at least some of the NBA owners are are younger. They're more technically sophisticated. Some of the ones that I've talked to have been interested in moving more of their rights to the internet. A couple of them have floated like, look, maybe this is just a thing that you just subscribe to over the internet. If Steve Ballmer is playing around with this, with the Clippers in Los Angeles, do you think this becomes a thing where if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, either in Minnesota or anywhere else, you pay a lot of money, maybe direct TV, you know, sport, a Sunday ticket level, $300 a year, whatever, to watch that team. And everyone else just doesn't watch it at all. Uh, yeah, that's that, that, that's tough. I mean, uh, I, I was going to bring up Balmer when, when you started asking this question. Like, he, he is, you know, among the most technically savvy owners in, in, in the NBA. His rights came up and he looked, he ran the numbers. He wanted to, to launch a direct-to-consumer offering and it just didn't make financial sense. He ended up signing again with uh, Bally Sports Network 
which is part of Diamond Sports Group, right. which is the 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 most uh, the most troubled uh, company right now in in sport and in, in all of media probably. They put out a press release when they did the deal that made it if you weren't paying attention made it seem like he was moving all the Clippers games to the internet, but that's not what he did at all. He kept no, on no, regular he, TV. He, uh, yeah, he he did essentially. He he, he maintained some rights. But he essentially did a good old school TV deal that that was the same one they've been doing for decades. John Orant, I cannot, John Orant, sorry, I cannot believe it's been this long and you have not been on the show because obviously you should be on every year. Thank you for coming on. Hey, I was so excited to get the invite, man. Thanks for having me, Peter. See you soon. Thanks again to John Orant. Again, like I said, long overdue. Dude, so smart. Uh, also smart, Travis and Johnny. They're my producers and editors. They make everything sound great. Other smart people include our advertisers who are smart enough to pay money so you guys can hear this show for free. And of course, the smartest people of all are you, the people listening to me still talk at the end of this podcast. As you know, this is Recode Media. We'll see you very soon, maybe even tomorrow. Okay, see ya.